want to welcome every, welcome everyone to the 21 News podcast. I'm Lindsay McCoy. I'm anchor and reporter here at 21 News. And today our conversation is focusing on the future and it's going to be here, I guess, sooner than we all realized. 5G technology. What is it? How will this be noticed by us everyday consumers in our everyday lives? Um, and how will this really change the focus of a lot of industries moving forward or really benefit them? I'm joined by assistant professor from the Russ College of Engineering and Technology at Ohio University, Jay Wilhelm. Jay, thank you so much for joining me here on the 21 News podcast. Sure, thank you. You know, my first question for you is, what is 5G? What does this mean to me? And how will this impact my life as, like I said, an everyday consumer and a person just living my life? <laughs> yeah, 5G is an evolution of, of cellular uh, wireless standards. So, you know, back 20 years ago, we, we had 1G, which, which we didn't really call G back then. It was just so digital uh, cell standards. And then we got 2G and then 3G, and then 3G's evolved into 4G. And, and along the way, you know, we've got faster speeds. We've got better connectivity. Uh, but then 5G comes along, and it brings even faster speeds. Lower latency, which is round-trip data time. So if you request something, say, on your phone, uh, it takes less time for it to go out to the internet, get that data and come back. And then it's also more resilient in terms of like bandwidth. So, you know, so, something that, that we uh, have problems with all the time is like Wi-Fi and there's too many devices on, on that uh, frequency band. You know, 5G really opens that up to ultra wideband. So, so we shouldn't have problems with noise. Okay. And, you know, you will see this in consumer electronics like phones and, and you know, iPads and things will we'll have 5G. Um, and, and I think my, my, you know, iPhone does. But uh, really, my, my application for this is in industrial settings. So I'm, I'm working with the Department of Energy uh, to, to bring 5G to coal-fired power plants and improve their, their sensor technologies. So right now they've got a lot of things that are, say, plugged in. And, you know, if, if you have, imagine a, a dirty, hot, you know, difficult to work in industrial environment, um, adding wireless sensors is, is actually a big bonus. So we power them with, with some wires, but we don't have to worry about their data communications. And we, so we can plug in as many as we want and we can scale them and we can measure, you know, temperatures and flow rates on things that we couldn't do before. So I'm trying to help the Department of Energy, you know, realize this vision of, of expanding 5G beyond just consumer electronics. Okay. Yeah. And again, you know, I'm wondering how does this compare to the 3G, 4G, whatever we're using now, I guess, in, you know, an everyday consumer, someone who's using their iPad, iPhone, whatever device, or even someone working in a different sector of the economy, how are we going to notice this is going to be better? Is it going to be just faster or is it more than just speed? Uh, I think the great thing about this is that we should really notice from a consumer standpoint, we, we're, we're not going to notice everything's going to work. Uh, it might be a little faster for us perception-wise. Um, and to me, that's a good thing because that, that, that doesn't break how we operate. We, we can still pull up the news on our phone and we can watch YouTube videos. And what we're going to be able to do is use this in, in more noisy environments, like radio, radio frequency-wise environments, maybe a little less power. And, you know, these things are going to scale up. And, and 5G is going to impact, you know, self-driving cars, for example because we have this lower latency, now we can like capture live video, upload it to be processed in the cloud, and then download you know, more data on how to control the car instead of having the car do everything itself. 
And so when, when you reach that threshold of like lowering that latency, all of a sudden it opens up the door for applications that we couldn't do before. So let's say I'm driving an EV, one of these electric vehicles, which you know we are hoping to be a hub for here in the near future. And in our region up here in the Mahoning Valley, we have Lordstown, and you know they want to become the Voltage Valley. Let's say we've got these EV vehicles out there. Um, you're saying while I'm driving the car, that my computer in my car communicates somewhere else. It's not just all within one unit, and and we can't do that now. Yep. Yeah. So I I also work on self-driving cars. And, and one of the things that we want to do is not have to download data after we've taken a trip. We want to be able to live stream all of that data and process it and then improve our algorithms on the fly. So can the machine learn better while it's going without having to drag a supercomputer behind it? I, I surely hope so. We have some really <laughs> rough winters up here in the Northeast. So when I think about this, I always think, well, what if there's a snowstorm? Are these self-driving cars going to be able to handle it? Who knows? <laughs> but I definitely think you're right. Like that is definitely something that I know probably is hard to do. And, um, you know, gone are the days where you, you know, rely on dial-up internet or, you know, just the, you know, the slow moving internet. Things are a faster pace now, but I didn't think of it that way. So that thank you for putting it that way. Uh, you know, I remember... Going back to the beginning of what was the internet being introduced and taking my parents, you know, telephone line um, cord and running it all the way up the stairs to get on AOL. They didn't even know what I was doing. I don't think I even really knew. But they knew when I got the bill that that might not have been the best choice right away without doing the research. But now it's like, wow. I mean, it, it's in your hand. It's everywhere you go. So. Would you say someone, I read an article somewhere about live streaming a concert while it's happening. I mean, okay, so yeah, there's a concert at the Cavelli Center or downtown Cleveland, Columbus, or, you know, somewhere cool, maybe it wouldn't be as good a quality as what, you know, 5G could do. You could, would it feel like what you're there or something? I mean, what what's the difference? Uh, it would reduce the, the, so the latency could be a problem. So that that's, you know, from when it's recorded to when you can view it as a remote viewer that time will get shortened. And it's already pretty short now, uh, but we're looking at you know uh, tens of milliseconds type thing. And when you're going over the internet, that gets multiplied. But the, the biggest problem is the, the wireless connection to the device. And so 5G will help you with, with that aspect. What about in the in entertainment industry? Are you reading or hearing about what else could be out there for us to you know, be entertained by if 5G <laughs> becomes a reality? I I've, unfortunately no. I you know I keep my head in the sand with the research and yeah, trying to look at the cutting the edge of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about agriculture? Someone was saying sensors and operating machinery in agricultural sectors. I know that um, you know we have a lot of agriculture around here in terms of yeah. different farms. Is that yeah, where so, that could be used? Yeah, you you might get longer longer range out of five G. You're more resilient because of the ultra wideband and reduced latency. And so the the application that I talked about with the self driving cars. You know, um, you might have the self-driving uh, agriculture equipment that's, that's doing the, the job so that the, you know, the farmer doesn't have to pilot or drive it himself. Hey, that could help, especially if the next generation doesn't want to work on the farm that day or ever. Uh, what about during the pandemic? When you think about, you know, at the beginning where we were trying to reduce person-to-person -person contact, especially in the same room physically, could this play a role in the future if we see other health crises or other situations like this? Uh, it's it's possible. I think you know one one of the things that um, we didn't necessarily see coming was the need for more bandwidth at home, and so uh, from a from an infrastructure standpoint, does it make more sense to 
uh, run wires underground, more wires, and better, you know, put fiber optics everywhere? Or does it make sense to, you know, make the 5G towers more robust uh, so that you can you can get your your internet wirelessly? Okay, uh, and, and that's what I want to ask you about is the broadband initiative across the state of Ohio. Uh, they want to really connect as many people as they can and solve this issue. They are deploying some resources at Youngstown State University and Ashland University here in Ohio. Each university is going to get $25,000. YSU has some other money they're going to match with that for this program to offer certifications for students in engineering to get like a 5G readiness certification on top of their degree. I'm wondering in terms of the educational end, so the, the student's end, what will they be learning? What will they understand how to do if they're an engineering student in a two-year, four-year program that they may not learn in their traditional coursework? Sure, I, I've, I can speculate on this because, mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, I was an undergraduate at one point and uh, wireless communications were really getting uh, a boost at that point. Wi-Fi had not yet, uh, you know, been commercially available. And so there, there are some some underlying, you know, theoretical things that you need to understand about, like uh, the robustness of the data being sent across. What what type of coding techniques are you using? When you send things wirelessly, there's a lot of errors in the data that goes across, and then from noise. And how do you correct for that and detect it and be robust against it? And th those are some good, you know, theoretical things that you can work out in simulation and on paper. Uh, that, that's sort of fundamental to how these wireless systems work. And then the infrastructure, just real quick, you know, you said instead of installing the wires underground, maybe put more towers. So is your thought that we're going to see some new towers replacing old towers, more towers? What do you think we're going to see in terms of the physical infrastructure to get 5G going so that the different industries who want this technology and access to it can use it? Ho hopefully we shouldn't notice. Um, but one of the good things about cell towers uh, is that they're really software driven. So really the only thing that's needed are some different antennas mounted on the towers. And, and they can use existing infrastructure that's already there. So is, I guess, in your opinion, 5G the big next generation of technology? How could we describe this or look at this as where you're you know going through our different articles and research as we keep going here and reading about it in the news and hearing about it is this the next big thing and how would you describe it uh it's, it's an evolution of of what we got and i think 5g is going to be around for a while because it, it did some things and it solved some problems that 3g and 4g did not particularly with like the ultra wideband issue and sure we get you know faster uh, lower latency data uh, going back and forth, but the ultra wideband opens it to to new doors, new applications, things we couldn't do before. Well, I'm excited to see how different professions can take advantage of this. You know, you're working in the power plant sense of things, you know, in an industrial type setting where you say, you know, it's hot. People are working indoors and they're just trying to get, you know, the equipment to move properly. That's that's a high stakes situation. Do you think that this will be pivotal, not just there, but even in the healthcare medical field? Absolutely. Um, I, and the reason that I got into the, the 5G realm is, is, is I started working uh, with 2G equipment for uh, cellular tracking devices sort of about 10, 15 years ago. Um, and, you know, we've seen the uptake of these types of devices and traditional medical things becoming wireless left and right. And that saves from, you know, plugging wires in 
wires breaking, plugging them incorrectly, having to worry about that area of the infrastructure, especially in the medical realm. Um, sure, you have some problems with you can jam the wireless. Um, you know, you can have noise affect the wireless. But overall, it, it's it's a good thing. You know, we, we've seen this with consumer electronics. Uh, you know, for a while there, all of the earbuds, you know, you had to plug them in. And like, as, as I talk to you right now, I'm using Bluetooth headsets. Oh, yeah, the AirPods. My sister yeah. taught me about those. She's trying to keep me cool. It's tough. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I when you're doing 50,000 things, you're like, wow, technology is such a convenience. Yeah. And once I learn how to get a convenience, I don't want to let go of it. So I can relate to a lot of people that want that easier access to, you know, information or, you know, to a piece of equipment. I mean, it's definitely relatable. I'm just hopeful, too, that this does solve that rural area broadband issue where people, you know, of all different levels of society in terms of, you know, their reach and their affordability can get Internet. I mean, it's just a part of your everyday life. Yep. Yeah, definitely. It's essential well, nowadays. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't live without it. It's a utility. We go back and forth in my house arguing how this should be paid for through utilities and whatnot, but we won't go there today. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, Jay. I really appreciate it. I mean, this is pretty cool. Again, this was assistant professor from the Rust College of Engineering and Technology at Ohio University, Jay Wilhelm. Jay, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, your your big grant, $400,000 grant almost from the U.S. Department of Energy to study this is pretty cool. So I can't wait to hear maybe a little more about what you learn and your, your final findings. I'll have to catch up with you in the near future. Sure thing. Thank right. you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us here on the 21 News Podcast.